Hello and welcome to The Dirt, in association with Beer 52. Keep listening to find out how you can get your hands on eight craft beers for free. This is the podcast that wants to dig deep into the highs and the lows of gardening. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Laura's co-host, Blake. As always, we'll be dissecting the latest gardening headlines and offering some ideas to stay busy on the plot this week. But first, we're joined from Northern Ireland by organic gardener Julietta Watson. Hiya, how are you? Hi, Hi, I'm well, thanks. Hello. How are things in your garden today? They are very wet. It has been raining for the last five hours. It's all looking a bit soggy today, I'm afraid. Um, But green, green and lush at least. That's something. (laughs) Yeah, we've actually had a little bit of a spell of... um, quite hot weather here and I have to say my garden looks like it would like to borrow some of your rain please if possible. I can definitely <laughs> ship that over. My, my parents and brother are in the southeast of England so they keep sending me very annoying photos of them in the garden with the blazing sunshine and complaining that it's too hot oh. whereas I'm in the garden with my woolly coat on <laughs> and a hat and a raincoat and it's just terrible. Yeah, so you're originally from Kent right so how's that move been and, and how's that changed how you have to garden yeah, it, to Northern Ireland? It has been quite different um I wasn't quite aware how wet it is over here um and actually weirdly spring seems to be the time when we have the most sun and the most heat so it's usually I'll be used to saying okay we'll start planting stuff you know ready for the summertime but actually I need to sort of plant a little bit earlier so all my plants and vegetables can benefit from the spring sunshine um otherwise everything's a bit of a washout I'm afraid. So can you tell us a little bit more about your time gardening what have been some of your biggest gardening successes? So I'd say it's taken me quite a while to get gardening successes I've got quite a sort of a challenging plot so my garden wraps around the house and there's lots of mature trees um, this sort of sandy soil, boggy soil, dry clay, wet clay. It's a real big <laughs> mixture. So I've sort of had to learn a lot in sort of the four or five years that we've been here to trying to work out, you know, what's going to work in the garden and what really doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year I've had a lot of success with growing green vegetables. And I think that's mainly down to using my own compost um, and nurturing and improving the soil. So we've got like really big kale, um, spinach, lots of Chinese greens, lots Ooh. of peas, which my kids love. Um, I I always joke that I don't think a single pea has made it back to the kitchen yet. Kids just eat them straight off the plant. Same. (laughs) Um, And then lots of success with vegetables that I forgot I even planted. So I went into the garden yesterday and suddenly there's like four broccoli plants. And I was like, I really don't remember putting these in the garden, but I'm so glad that they're there. Um, And I've also dedicated one bed just to perennial vegetables. So I've gotten really into... um, I want to grow sort of vegetables that I can get every year um, and not have to worry too much about them. So I've got some tree spinach in there. I've got a Dabenton's kale, another perennial kale, mm-hmm. um, and also some Jerusalem and Chinese artichokes. I've never tried any of these before, so they're doing okay just now. So I just hope that they keep going. Um but yeah, really excited to try some of those. But with all the things that I plant, if it's anything new, I'm always scared to eat them. <laughs> I think I'm always worried, you know, will it poison me? Is it actually the thing that I planted? You know, will anybody else like it? Um, 
And also we've got a sort of a mini charred forest in one of our beds. Um, now, I was really excited about planting rainbow chard because I thought, you know, chard's great. I've always heard about um, people like Monty Don growing chard and loving eating it with pasta. I thought I'll grow some chard. But I've got this chard forest now. <laughs> and it turns out that nobody in my family likes to eat the chard, oh, apart no. from me. So I've now got all of this chard. Not even my guinea pigs will eat the chard, which is very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels like I'm just growing all of this chard and it's just going into the compost now um which is very disheartening at least it looks nice though yeah it looks beautiful it looks so beautiful so at least the birds and the slugs are enjoying wandering around this forest that I've created so that's something you mentioned just at the start there your multiple different soil conditions that you're working with all at one time would you say that you think that's given you a pretty good overview like you feel like you could go anywhere now and grow because you've got all the soil conditions so you know you know what you're doing with anything now yes yeah I think I feel in the last four months I've done with during lockdown I've done so much reading now about soil and how to manage the soil and look after the soil um I think I could cope with anything now but mainly because I know if you want to make your soil better you want to grow better plants you need great soil and to do that you need compost uh, mulch um, and some sort of fertilizer so I've now become obsessive about what's going on in my soil so I'm constantly like digging down into little pot patches in the gardens like what's the soil like in there does it need anything can I give it some more compost does it need a bit of mulch so everything I do now now it seems to be driven by can I put it in the compost I want to make some better compost because that'll help me grow better vegetables mm. um so I've yeah I've been reading some really good books um team with microbes grow your own soil and all of it says that you know you've really got to nurture your soil and if you're encouraging the growth of all the soil microbes like the bacteria and the fungi in there they're all going to do the hard work for you mm. so they're going to bring nutrients that your plants want and help feed them and protect them from pests and diseases um, and that's really what's going to make your garden work for you and, and be low maintenance so I think when I read this I was like this is a revelation I've got kids you know gardening is quite hard to do anything that's low mm. maintenance will be fantastic but so if I really nurture my soil that's going to help do most of the work for me and do most of the gardening for me so mm. um I've now sort of mulched everything <laughs> within sort of an inch of its life it's got nice thick mulch everywhere um which I really think has helped me grow things much much better this year like much better than I've ever grown before I can't I can't say enough about the soil mm. and mulch I think my friends now avoid coming over <laughs> to see me now because they know they're going to get a lecture about <laughs> that it. does sound like a pretty good sort of home home science lesson as well all of the soil science that you've got going on in your garden I know and it's funny because my dad's a biologist and a botanist and he has sort of tried to teach me this you know growing up and I was very resistant to it it's like, you know, I don't want to learn about gardening I'm not very interested in bugs um but actually now I've become obsessed with it and I've started to tell him stuff he's like well I know this and I've been telling you this information <laughs> so he thinks it's hilarious that I'm now very very into the gardening um and even my poor kids if they're eating a banana or an apple core they know that mummy wants it for the compost so they better hurry up and eat it and <laughs> diligently trot over to pop it into the compost oh. so I feel like I'm gardening now for the mulch and the compost not really caring about the plants anymore which is a terrible thing but it's good really because they're looking after themselves better I guess so you're exactly focusing on that kind of like 
yeah, getting that part right and then everything else just falls into place. Exactly. And, and you know, it's it's great to see, like I've got corn growing in a patch of land that had didn't have any compost and some corn that is in this massive pile of compost. And that corn is about 10 foot tall now. Like it's amazing, just wow. the difference. And my, my daughter now goes, mummy, you know, if I find some black compost for you, mummy, I'm going to give it to you and it's going to help your garden grow. And she's, so, she's become oh. dedicated to the sort of the soil compost cause now too. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. It's a nice, a nice, thing for you to be able to do together as a family as well isn't it and see it go from looking after the soil through to the plant through to what ends up on your plate as well I mean it's great I mean especially during lockdown the garden has just been you know a haven and a a sort of source of education for us and the kids Mm -hmm. um and they've learned they've learned so much about how to look after soil how to look after plants how they grow um and actually one of the lessons we were given for my daughter she's six to learn was like how plants um grow and what nutrients they need and I was almost shocked you know it's just they say four things they need some sunlight a bit of water and some nutrients and I was like actually that's so much more actually they need the fungi they need the bacteria they need good soil structure so I, I feel I've given her you know much more education about what's going on in the soil um, and also you know all the sort of the insects and the microbes and what's going on so mm. she I feel you know I've passed that on to her and they sort of really enjoy now digging through the the soil they fight over worms <laughs> who's going to hold a millipede um there's just there's so much wildlife that I think has come into the garden because we're growing organically because we're mulching because we're using this compost um and we actually we put a wildlife camera and uh, next to a patch of sort of newly composted ground and the amount of wildlife that's come to sort of forage about in this patch has been incredible mm-hmm. so um we, we looked at the footage the other day and there's there's a couple of field mice that have come to play in there there's a big toad that sits on top <laughs> of it uh there were these two birds that are playing these like chasey chasey game hiding in and out um among the growth i mean it's been amazing it's like a little mini wildlife blockbuster movie and it's all because you know we're, we're encouraging all these insects and bugs and beetles and things to sort of live in our garden as well so it's it's just been amazing yeah that sounds really lovely and you're creating a a mini ecosystem just in your garden on its own really aren't you without you know all of all of the levels of that together yeah it's been great I mean so much wildlife in there we've got hedgehogs we've had bats and foxes and uh, dragonflies we've also made our own ponds and now we've got tadpoles and little baby frogs popping out so yeah this sort of ecosystem is the the gardens become sort of a living environment and a playground at the same time it's been yeah it's been really good it sounds like quite a good idea to get a wildlife camera as well because I think you sometimes you know that maybe if you're growing organically you are attracting these things but then to actually see it and Mm. see that in action it must be quite rewarding it's good isn't it yeah finally you know there's a hedgehog because it's been pooing all over your (laughs) vegetable patch and then suddenly to see it we've still not seen this elusive hedgehog we're determined to capture it but at least now we know we've got hedgehogs and bats and foxes um so we can see evidence of that but actually seeing them on the camera I mean there's there's nothing Mm. like it really it's great um so have you had any things that haven't gone to plan those those mistakes or fails um things that have have helped you to learn along the way I have to say I love this section of the podcast because <laughs> it's our USP I think, <laughs> I think every every time I listen to one it's like I can totally relate to that I can relate to this yeah I've not burnt down my greenhouse mainly because I don't have one <laughs> but um I do I do have so many fails my, my the worst fail I had was actually at the start of lockdown it was on mother's day and I was doing the chop and drop method so I was trying to 
prune some hedges and drop all the uh, the stuff down for mulch. Mm. But I ended up cutting the tip of my finger off with the secateurs. <gasps> oh, no. And Ouch. <laughs> My husband had just gone on a, a mammoth um, mountain bike cycle, so he wasn't around. He's a doctor, which would have been helpful for him to be around. <laughs> yeah. uh, and my, my poor kids were like running around trying to get me bandages, and it was just, it was excruciating. But I was just, I was so annoyed at myself. I didn't know how I did it. And I just thought, you know, this is the time when I can be doing the most gardening, and I've actually injured my hand <laughs> and can't oh, do it. Did it put you out of action for a bit? It, yeah, it did. Well, and also because now I've got this fear of the secateurs. Like every time I see it, I, can, yeah. I have to keep reliving what happened. Yeah. So, you know, I couldn't really grasp things well. I couldn't really dig very well. I mean, it was good for the kids because I taught them how to to dig a lot and put things in the ground. So I suppose it was good for them. But, yeah, I really wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. Um, other fails have been I tried to make um, – have you heard of that huggle culture, the sort of the hill gardening? Um, oh, no. It's like a – it's like a German technique where it's basically for using up wood that you've got left over in your garden. So the mm. idea is you dig a trench, you throw in all your logs or bits of twigs and things, and then you pile up sort of um, partially made compost and then grass and whatever. So you sort of build like um, a sort of a working progress compost hill. Mm. And then on top of that, you plant um, your potatoes or your um, squashes and then it grows. And then as, as it sort of goes over time, the, the, the logs sort of mulch down, everything mulches down and creates this really good sort of compost for your plants. So I th I've been watching it on YouTube and I've seen people posting it on Instagram. I thought, I'm going to try this. I've got loads of bits of wood. So I've, I made what I thought was a hooker culture. But as time's gone on, and obviously in our lovely rainy Northern Ireland climate, it's sort of got wetter and wetter and has sort of sunk down. So it's less huggle hill. It's more of a sort of a splat culture. <laughs> so it's got, a, it's got like a very sad run of bean and an Sturgeon clinging to life on this sort of tiny mound. So I either need to try and build it back up or start again from scratch because that that really didn't go well at all. Do you think that is something that you would try again in a different way? And if you did, what would you do differently? Or do you think that's something that maybe isn't suited for your particular your particular conditions? Or yeah, I, th I definitely think I'd try it again. I quite like the idea of you sort of just chuckle your garden waste in a big heap and then see what will grow out of it. Yeah. But I think I, I didn't put enough wood down and I didn't put enough compost on top of it. I think I was a bit too slapdash. Let me just try and see what will happen. Um, so I think I would definitely give it a go because I've seen some beautiful huggle cultures on um, Instagram and people are growing these huge uh, squashes out of it. So I think I want to have a go and try again. I mean, the reason I was doing it is because my little sort of strip of vegetable patch that I've got it's very very dense clay soil overshadowed by huge ash trees and surrounded by this cotoneaster hedging so it's very wet it's very shady um you know and the soil's not very good so I thought if I do this it's sort of a bit like the Dowding sort of no dig but mm. it's basically on a sort of a bigger hiller hillier version of it so yeah I'm definitely going to try it again I think and see what happens um other fails I would say is wildflower growing. I always see these beautiful pictures of sort of meadows of wildflowers. <laughs> I'm like, I'd love to have that in my garden. But I think for me, I think my grass is just grows so well um, that it just always kills off any wildflower seed that I scatter. So I actually did a bit of research and realised that I actually need rattle, need to grow rattle, which actually tries to kill off some of the grass and that'll allow your wildflower to grow a bit better. 
So I tried to grow um, some rattle in the ground. But every morning I came out to check on my little wildflower plugs. You know, how's my little rattle doing? And some animal, I think it was a badger, had been pulling out the plugs and leaving them on the ground. So every day, every day I came out. Without fail, for about 10 days in a row, I'd come out and I replanted it every morning. They'd be popped out and sitting on the ground. I didn't know what was going on. So I think in the end, only one rattle survived. Um, But actually the little tiny bits of wildflower seed that I scattered has actually taken so I've got some foxgloves and a few odds some few um wildflower seeds that have actually grown there just because this one rattle has like clinged on to life <laughs> that little badger was like oh I love this lawn why are you trying to <laughs> ruin yeah. this lovely lawn <laughs> I think because that that patch, I'd sort of taken away the grass and made it bare earth to try and get the wildflower to um, take a bit mm. better. So it must have been like, ooh, bare earth, there's lots of worms. Yes. I'll have a dig about in that. Yeah. Who's put this rattle in yes. here? Zoink! And thrown it out. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm hoping next year, I'll, you know, I just need to keep reading, I think, and learning how to make this wildflower grow a bit better. But When they're done well, they do look yeah. beautiful, don't they? I know. And, I mean, the lawn actually is covered in clover and creeping buttercup and and that's actually looked beautiful and the bees have loved coming to that and you know we've tried not to cut it too much we've left just some wild spaces in our lawn anyway um but we mainly have sort of a lot of bugle a lot of creeping buttercup as i said but i'd really like to get a bit more variety in there but i think that's really sort of trial and error see what works in my garden and what doesn't mm. i think i sort of have to let go of this dream of having you know this huge meadow of beautiful wildflowers because i just don't have the climate for it um and i know that's heartbreaking but i just have to be like you know i live in northern Ireland, it is a bit rainy let's just grow what's going to work here yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think the, the other fail is tomatoes. I just, I can't grow tomatoes. I, and I try every year and I say, this year will be different. I will try and get a lovely big juicy tomato. Oh. And I always see people's beautiful red tomatoes on Twitter and Facebook. It's like, I wish I could grow it. But for every year, every year they don't ripen. The flowers are there all the way to the end of August or they get blight. Um, and my, my, my kids are just looking at them going, when are they coming, mummy? You've told us that they're going to be so delicious. <laughs> like They never, they never arrive. It's so disheartening. And also, I have to say, Blake, a loofah. I did try some loofah. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is a running theme. Yes. I, and I watched them and I nurtured them in my little tiny plastic greenhouse that I've got. And I think I had one leaf and then suddenly the second leaf appeared. I was like, it's going, it's going to come, it's going to come. Nothing. And it just stayed like that for months. And I think I just, I think I put it out of its misery last week. I was like, you're not doing anything. I think I'm going to have to do the same thing, to be honest with you. But I'm glad it's not just me. It makes (laughs) me feel a bit better about it. So, yes. Um, I think maybe it's just, yeah, Northern Ireland, I guess, not warm enough for those things perhaps or just too wet I don't know yeah fruiting things I'm just I just can't do I can do apples I can do any sort of green vegetables grows beautifully but anything that requires a sort of a fruit (laughs) doesn't really (laughs) seem to like my garden but I've sort of I've made peace with that now and you know I can just keep eating the chard on my own and just not have it with any tomatoes (laughs) that's okay um so you mentioned your guinea pigs what are your guinea pigs favorite garden snacks if if you had to say. <laughs> oh, no, they definitely have one. It's mint. Oh. They adore mint. And actually, they can hear, when I wake up in the morning, they can hear my footsteps and they know it's me. And if they hear the door going, they start weaking really loudly. <laughs> so you just hear this, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> they know, oh, she's going outside. She's going to get us some mint. They get so excited. So I have on my patio, I have huge containers just dedicated to growing mint. So they actually like, they like Moroccan mint and they like pineapple mint. But 
that they don't like the ginger and the strawberry mint that I'm growing. Um, so I like those I like fussy the, guinea pigs. Yeah, they're very particular about what type of mint they're liking. And they also love lemon verbena. Have you ever tried that? It's like um, it's like a refresher, refresher sweetie. Yeah, yeah I've still delicious. never grown it, but I want to because I really like lemon flavored things it's just it's stunning it's like yeah it's like every sort of fizzy sweet you had as a child in this little plant so they only get that you know on special occasions if they've been very very good they'll get a little (laughs) leaf of this lemon verbena (laughs) I love that this is a family-wide hobby that even stretches to the guinea pigs I think that's a really that's a really lovely thing everybody is included they are they are and I I always feel like when because we didn't have much access to garden centers all my window boxes were dedicated to growing lettuce and coriander and actually I grew far too much lettuce so the guinea pigs benefited from this immensely <laughs> so I sort of felt you know that my, my husband was like you know these guinea pigs are totally spoiled you're just spending all this time and effort growing these beautiful lettuces and they're eating them all but I was like you know we can't eat that much lettuce we have to share it with our with our guinea That's pigs <laughs> Um, so do you have anything, uh, any hacks or shortcuts for us, those things that you might not read in a textbook, but um, have really been working for you? So I definitely say uh, organic gardening for me has definitely worked. Um, I think when the sort of the start of the, the spring, it was very, very warm and we had this like aphid explosion across the garden and I was determined I wasn't going to use any pesticides. I wasn't going to sort of blast them off in any way. I was just going to hold my nerve and wait for the predators to come. And I think it took about two weeks before the lacewings came, but it was an army of lacewings oh. and you couldn't step outside the house without being covered in them. They were just, <laughs> they were just everywhere. And I thought, I'm so glad because actually if you kill the pests, the predators don't have anything to eat yes so actually holding my nerve and waiting till they come actually I think has done wonders for the garden and actually the roses and the vegetables and everything did so much better now that it was covered with lacewings and then because the lacewings were there thing came to eat them um, and I think that really helped um, and the other thing I'd say is actually try and make your own fertilizer it's so easy to sort of grab you know a handful of nettles or some comfrey and stick it in a bucket with some rainwater um, and basically let it rot and then you've got this beautiful um, organic fertilizer that will actually feed your plants so I need to do this because I just always just rest on buying a bottle of seaweed fertilizer from the shop but yeah Mm. just save some money and and make it myself and it's so easy and actually even myself because you don't really know how effective your fertilizer is unless you're doing some sort of scientific testing there is that temptation to go you know what I'll just buy a bit of tomato feed just in case but I held my nerve I was like like I know this is good comfrey everyone recommends it my plants are flourishing I've got you know a beautiful corn on my cob it must be working this Mm -hmm. fertilizer must be working so I just stuck to my guns basically and just kept on um making more and more fertilizer I mean the garden stank because we had <laughs> rotting nettle we had a comfrey feed we even had seaweed at one point so I mean it was disgusting and then decanting it you know I'd accidentally drip some on my slippers you should never garden slippers anyway. that's one of my tips <laughs> I was dripping on my slippers so it was just it was just reeking but my garden has definitely blossomed from using it and I'm just I'm so pleased that I, I did that do you have a recipe for that or do you just chuck it in chuck in some water and and hope for the best yeah that's my recipe Chop it, squish it, mash it, add water. Like there's nothing else <laughs> that I do. Um, I mean, I have I have been trying 
I have been reading a lot about, you know, what other sort of slow release fertilizers you can make. And lots of people recommend, um, you know, mixing things like uh, sustainable krill or basalt and kelp meal and sort of mixing that mm. together. So that's really got all your nitrogen, your phosphorus um, together that will help the plants. So I've, I've tried experimenting with that, but I've only done that recently. So I'm not really sure how well that will work. But I'm hoping, you know, I've got my own organic feed. I'm hoping that will mm. help give my plants a boost as well. Uh, and the other one I've been doing is mulching. So I didn't realise actually different plants prefer different mulch. Yeah, I was going to ask that earlier, whether you've, what you use for your mulch and, and what's been working. So again, sort of through my reading, I've sort of realised that your shrubs and your trees, um, any sort of perennials like a brown mulch, so like wood chips, mm. because they like a fungally dominated soil. So fungi grows on wood chips and anything brown waste, any brown material. So you want to mulch them with any sort of dry brown stuff because that will actually feed them a bit better mm. um, and encourage that fungi to then give the nutrients to the plants. But then if you've got your annuals, your grasses and your vegetables, they actually prefer bacteria dominated mulch oh. and bacteria dominated soil so you actually need to mulch them with green material so your um, grass clippings or any sort of leftover vegetable matter you've got um, so I was like oh this is a revelation that makes total sense to me and I'm still trying to work through the science but you know that I understand that and that makes sense so I've tried to put you know, every time we cut the grass, I'll sprinkle the grass around my vegetables and around my chard, my chard forest and around my kale. And and that actually, I think, has made a big difference. But now again, I've become obsessed with mulching. Like everything is like, what can I do? Can that turn into mulch? If I chop this down and this needs a prune, I'm going to chop that down and add that <laughs> as a mulch. Um, so I'd say, yeah, I mean, other people have done it and so said that's been great for them. So we've I've actually done a lot more of that in the garden. And then the other thing you could do is make a protozoa soup, which my three-year-old likes making. So you basically just get grass cuttings, again, stick it in a bucket with water and leave it for a couple of days, mm. but then aerate it with like a fish tank pump. So oh, that right. basically bubbles through the the um, the mixture and sort of keeps it aerobic. Um, and then this will create little tiny protozoa. And then if you pour that on top of your mulch, that will start eating away at the bacteria and then that releases nutrients for your plants as well. Again, so I'm getting very technical, but it's just, I was like, this is fascinating. <laughs> it's like yeah. the science of actually gardening. Like, could this actually help me survive in my Northern Irish climate and grow better plants? And and things are growing. So all I can say is that, you know, my garden experiment is working. So, you know, give it a try. Yeah, And experimentation is half the fun of it, really, isn't it? That whole not knowing if it's going to work and then sometimes things that you have absolutely no expectation of at all go really really well and I just think that's a big a big thing that makes it fun isn't it I mean who knew I could grow broccoli I've never tried and there it is and it looks amazing (laughs) (laughs) so we always like to ask our guests what would you say has been your biggest lesson since you've been growing your own or your biggest lessons if you don't want to narrow it down to one uh I say I've got a few uh, my first would be for me it was not using any more weed suppressing fabric I mm. think that really destroyed parts of my garden I think when I first started gardening I was 
sort of all I wanted was like a lovely tidy garden mm. with nice neat edges and no weeds anywhere. So I laid down such a lot of suppressing fabric to, to suppress the weed. And I think at the start of lockdown, I actually pulled it up just to see what was going on in the soil. And mm. it was it was just a disaster zone. It was compacted. All the roots from my lovely cherry tree had come up to the surface because, you know, they couldn't get enough nutrition. Mm. It was there was no worms anywhere. Um, you know, I've really sort of, I think I destroyed parts of my garden by doing that. And actually just mulching with organic matter would have made such a difference, mm. I think. Um, so, I mean, for me, it was, yeah, don't, don't use that. Actually mulch with stuff you've got in your garden instead. Um, uh, obviously don't spray again. Try not to use chemical sprays. Just, you know, hold your nerve again. Your cavalry will come and, and <laughs> rescue you. The ladybirds will come. Um, we've actually got next to us is this huge field uh, on a hill. And when we w- went up there for a walk with the kids, the whole field was full of uh, ladybird larvae. Mm. And I was like, what are you all doing up here? Why are you yes. not coming down to the garden? <laughs> I, I don't know if they were just like this field and it was nice and sunny up there. But I was like, please come down. So we were, we were actually carrying them down in our hand <laughs> to try and introduce them to like my aubergine yeah. and my my rose plants is like here here is the food <laughs> please come down um and I guess the other the other big lesson is just keep reading um I, I guess I learned something new about gardening every single day mm. um and I don't feel like I'll ever exhort I'll ever become like a guru of gardening but you know the little bits that I'm learning about managing my garden organically um it's sort of paying dividends and everything I'm learning we're putting into practice in the garden and then everything I learn, I'm trying to teach my kids about, um, you know, I want to educate them in, you know, what the soil food web is and, you know, what plants actually need to grow. And if you want an amazing, you know, kale plant, this is what you need to do to your soil and you need to garden your soil better to make that happen. Um, so I, my poor six-year-old and three-year-old, I think, have been indoctrinated a little bit about <laughs> compost and mulching and soil life. and Because um, I feel, you know, the, there's, everyone champions the pollinators, don't they? The butterflies and the bees, because they're beautiful, they're cuddly. Maybe not a bee, but you know what <laughs> yes. I mean? But no one's going to champion, you know, the mycorrhizal fungi or the little bacteria in the ground mm. or the millipede because they're not cute or cuddly. <laughs> so I sort of feel that, you know, I want to try and, if I instill that in my kids, maybe they'll, you know, want to learn more about the science of growing and the science of the soil and that will sort of stand them in good stead. Yeah. Um, because, you know, nobody's going to have, you know, walk around with a I love fungi on my uh, T-shirt top. <laughs> um, I actually, I tweeted um, Hugh Jackman said, you know, I feel we need a champion of the the micro life in the soil. I wonder if he could pen a, like a lovely song. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I wrote I wrote some lyrics, you know, what that would be like. It's like we love bacteria and <laughs> in the soil. I don't I, I hope he doesn't respond because it'd be too embarrassing now. But you know, I just want to try and, you know, I'm gonna speak up for the bacteria. I feel like butterflies have had their day now. It's like, you know, someone needs to speak up for the soil life. Yeah, I mean you never know. You you've probably started something here. This is gonna be Yeah, that's a number one hit in the making as far as I'm yeah. concerned. I hope not. That was terrible. Like, give me give me more time. I need to work on the lyrics. <laughs> don't start yet. Thank you don't start yet and <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, well thank you so much for chatting to us today it's been really lovely i'm gonna go and read about hugel culture now because yes. that sounds like a great little technique so i'm gonna go and find out a bit more about it really does. great thanks for that julietta it was really great to chat to you it's been great thank you so much and blake shall we grab cups of tea get rose on the phone and have our team chat 
Hi guys, you're right. Hey Laura, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? Yes, not bad. Not bad. It's nice and sunny, so always makes me happy. In the time since we did that recording of that interview, I've had time to make a cup of tea and I popped out and looked at my hanging basket of salad leaves um, because there's this resident cabbage white butterfly that's been flying around. And because I tend to sit in the kitchen to record, I'm looking out the window and I keep spotting it getting distracted by it because I'm like, go away, don't lay your eggs. But it did. And there's a little caterpillar farm now growing in in amongst my salad leaves, which is both sad, but also really cute. There are so many of them. That is not what you want. And they're just like munching their way through. So I've given (laughs) up on those, but they're just, they're just happily munching their way through. And I've been, I went out to have a little look and they're growing so quickly. You just have to sacrifice them for the greater good of the butterfly population, even though it's sad. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I was like, I don't need, they need these leaves more than what I do. So I'm just going to lead them to do their thing. Speaking of finding things outside, actually, I went outside this morning and I thought all my cucumbers were really small and I found a really big cucumber, which was <gasps> hidden Love like behind the pot. And I was shocked. And I was like, oh my God, I've actually grown something that's a good size. So that filled me with uh, hope for my gardening <laughs> and pursuits so I will update you on my cucumbers yes. but I was really pleased with that when you eventually harvest it I want like photos of you eating it Definitely. I want to see what uh-huh. you do with it it'll be like a step-by-step going out in the yeah. garden picking like it, the best salad it. or sandwich that you've ever eaten yes I'm yeah. so excited so cracking on with the news stories, I actually originally saw this on Twitter, but I've also found a news story about it as well, which is this massive sunflower that uh, dad has grown for his four-year-old son. Basically, I think at the start of lockdown, his son was like, I want to grow sunflowers this year. Grow me one as tall as the house. And <laughs> his dad, Douglas Smith, was like, all right, challenge accepted. And it is, it's 20 feet tall. And <gasps> oh they've God. got a photo of his young son stood next to it and I think well I'm not I can't do the maths but there is a lot of him to the sunflower you know if you're going to stand him on top of one another it it is a tall sunflower and they've got a massive ladder next to it Mm. um and it goes above the house so it's really really cool and then that got me onto thinking about what is the tallest ever sunflower so I looked that up and the tallest ever sunflower is 30 feet and it was grown in Germany in 2014 that's crazy 9.17 meters if you prefer metric um and it was grown by hans peter schiffer how though i don't know you'd have to get special seeds wouldn't you for this i know there's um sunflower growing competitions that you can enter so perhaps it was the winner of that yeah i guess if you get the right seed give it the right treatment that's what you can do and hans peter is a veteran of tall sunflowers it says that he's grown on the mm-hmm. Guinness World Records website, it says it's gr- he's grown the record twice previously. So I feel Ooh. like this is maybe a yeah. full-time profession <laughs> yeah. rather than just... He must have know. the magic touch or something. But then um, the man who he found, so maybe he's following hot on his heels if he's already created such a big... Yeah, if he's done a 20-foot one this year, who knows? Yeah, yeah. watch out. <laughs> he's coming for the title. You see, now I'm looking out the window at my sunflowers and like... They're oh, you're growing beautiful. sunflowers. Yeah, I am. I've got a couple in and they're not enormously tall. They're like approximately fence height, but they're pretty. But now I'm feeling like they're not going to break any records. I really like um, those little teddy bear sunflowers. Do you know the ones I mean? They're like, yeah. they're much smaller and cuter and um, I quite want to grow them actually. 
so I might buy some of those for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have an accidental sunflower, which came from my neighbor's ones last year. It must have just sown itself. And it's because I was like, you know, I'm a bit lazy, as you probably both know by now, but um, I don't always weed my patio that often. Mm-hmm. And so the weeds were busy coming up and I was just leaving them to do their thing. And I was like, why is this one so tall? Mm. And I was like, could it be? They did have sunflowers growing next door right by the fence. Maybe a seed just dropped over and it must have done because the sunflower head's coming now and it's about six foot. Um, So not going to win any records, but given that I didn't plant it and it's growing up through the patio, like the paving slabs, yeah. I think it's quite impressive. That is sunflower sounds like a lovely kind of sunflower. It is. and I've, <laughs> So if you ever come to my house now and you're like, why is Blake watering his patio? The reason <laughs> is, is because I'm trying to nurture this and get a flower to come. I would love it. to know what your neighbours think. <laughs> yes. I know. And we were talking about like fertiliser and seaweed feed in the interview earlier. And um, I have been actually like giving it some feed <laughs> <laughs> which feels like a bit of a waste maybe um, but I'm determined to get yeah. this accidental sunflower flowering so is it I will keep you posted on or- that in an awkward spot is it in the center yeah it's of the right patio? outside the back door so I keep like knocking it with the back door I'm surprised it's 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 pretty yeah, hard it's here. really resilient it's like I've yeah determined. It's, up against, it's against all odds and it's still going so good on I it I think that's when gardening always um shocks me or plants in general when things you know you grow something and it fails and then randomly something will grow and you're like oh actually wait seeds are so resilient yes you can just sort of accidentally sow something and then it's like didn't realize that it grows really big yeah exactly um I want to talk to you about accidental garden things but more garden finds again than plants you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about odd things you find in your garden yes Mm -hmm. well I think I think we may have now got the award for the strangest thing anyone's found in their garden is it stranger than the bones that you've found (laughs) very much it's a story on the whole daily mail and the headline is gardening furloughed worker shocked to find bomb in bubble wrap what in bubble he found Yes, he found the Sorry, device. Sorry, I don't know why that's the, the most surprising <laughs> take away from that. Sentence, <laughs> <laughs> um, he had been putting off the task of clearing a mound of rubble left at the bottom of his garden. So he decided on furlough, that was the perfect time to do it. And then in the pile of rubble in his garden, he found, encased in bubble wrap, an undetonated bomb. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. Does he know where it came from? Uh, well, it says here it caused his entire street to be evacuated for five hours and army wow. specialists to be drafted in. The saga ended with a controlled explosion in a field nearby. Uh, he said, we were all clearing the garden. In this rubble, we saw a black bag among the soil and thought it had just degraded. We picked the bag up. It was wrapped in bubble wrap. They thought it was really heavy. And then they realized it was bomb-shaped. That must be quite scary, I think, to find that. Yeah. Because if I did that, I wouldn't know what... I'd be like, what do you do in this situation? Yeah. Do you like call 999 yeah. or what happens? Because you know? would you definitely know what it is? Like I'd feel like maybe I'm overreacting. <laughs> yeah. that like you're going to call out like, the <laughs> services and they're going to be like, this is just, I don't know what 
something bomb shaped. But um, he says that they only moved into the house last year, so they inherited all the stuff with the garden. Right. They were un- um, the police were unable to confirm how the device came into the garden, but the neighbours speculated that it was a Second World War device. Oh, it was an old. An old, old one then. That's speculation apparently, but that's what they're thinking. It's weird that it was wrapped in bubble wrap. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I would say though that this has set the bar pretty high for strange things you find in your garden. But I would like to put a call out to everybody listening and say we would love to hear strange things you found in your garden. And we will read some of the best ones out next time. So... I'm not saying that you necessarily have to be able to compete with the World War II bomb in your garden, but anything a bit unusual, we'd love to hear about it. The resident fox is actually quite keen on bringing in stuff into the garden, actually, like all the usual things that you might expect. I think I've said this before, like birds and things, but also ballet shoes, balls. There was even like a plastic onion (laughs) that I think came from like a neighboring child's play kit or something it's like is it there's the poor kids like along the road must just be thinking where are all, where are all these toys keep disappearing you're just using really. your garden as a dumping ground just, for all yeah, of these exactly. things like, thanks for the gifts yeah. now, imagine if I it had been them? in an actual onion bed though and you would have dug it up and just been really confused yeah. <laughs> what, what is this this didn't go as well as expected what's that this great. i seem to yeah. have grown a really plasticky onion what's gone wrong <laughs> yeah exactly so I do have something to talk to you about. It's not sort of a, as juicy as finding a World War II bomb or anything, um, but wildlife presenter Ben Fogel has been urging all of us to keep growing fruit and veg as COVID-19 restrictions ease. So you might have seen some of this floating around, but I think it was B&Q as well sort of did a something that was sort of trying to encourage people to keep on growing because they were worried that once lockdown was finished people would sort of just give up Mm. Um, and so he sort of put out something to say that we need to you know carry on growing fruit throughout after lockdown and he said that vegetable patches are for life not just for lockdown which I thought was very nice and very sweet (laughs) so but actually, he, he sort of goes on to say that obviously during lockdown, there was sort of a massive rush on seeds, which has sort of calmed down a bit now. Mm. Um, but actually, a lot more people are moving out of London and the bigger cities and are sort of moving to the countryside because they're searching for that sort of more idyllic life, so to speak. Mm. So which I thought was quite interesting. So, yeah, I, I don't really know what you think about this, really. Do you think that, that people are going to give up their, their hobby or, or should, and should we be doing more to sort of safeguard that from from happening? I think there was definitely a point right at the start of this whole scenario in like late Feb, early March, where the supermarkets were selling out of stuff and people were panicking and therefore everybody's thought process seemed to go, must grow some fruit and veg mm, yeah. or particularly veg um, just in case. So I think there will be a naturally next year if things are slightly less chaotic that um, you'll lose some people that won't want to do that or just, you know, won't feel there's a need to do that. But uh, hopefully a lot of people yeah, will stay yeah. on. And if some of them do, then that's great. And I do know that a lot of people have been enjoying it. I think that's the main thing. If they've been enjoying it, then they will do it yeah, again. Yeah, and I, I think as well, a big thing for a lot of people may be that if they'd been furloughed over this time then there would have been a lot more time in the garden whereas once you're 
back in the office and doing a commute, it might feel like your time in the garden has been very much reduced. And I suppose then it's just showing that there are things that can be done if you've got 15 minutes in the evening to get out there or if you've got some time at the weekend that although it's been a real savior for a lot of people to be able to spend a lot of time in the garden you don't actually need an enormous amount of time to still grow something yeah exactly I think it's all about maybe looking at it as being more manageable so just like you say, if you only have the weekend or you only have 15 minutes when you get in from work in the evening, are those are there little jobs that you can do or why don't you grow things inside or just on a smaller scale? So, yeah, I mean, I hope people carry on with it. And I think they will. Obviously, like you say, some people I think also might give up, but that's just life. So, but hopefully if people have been liking it, then they'll carry on. I think as well, there's probably something to be said for the therapeutic nature of gardening that has been offering offering people a bit of respite from stress over all of this time mm. is transferable to different kinds of stress, like working life stress, kids being at school stress, everything being really busy again. You can still take those little snatches of time to be outside and breathe a little bit that's the kind of thing that you don't realize until you start doing it even if you hear people Mm -hmm. talking Mm. about that or saying those things until you're doing it, I don't think you really realize that those benefits are do exist um but yeah so we'll see what happens next year but I think that's a good motto and one that we can all get behind is the gardening isn't just for lockdown I nearly said Christmas (laughs) (laughs) yeah I thought that was quite snappy (laughs) yeah Yeah. um so Laura I think you're you've got some jobs on the plot in the moment right after this Mm mm-hmm If you love to kick back with a cold and refreshing beer at the end of a hard day's work on the plot, then we've got an offer you won't want to miss. The kind people at Beer 52 are offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt and cover the $5.95 for postage. Each case is delivered directly to your doorstep, so no need to leave the house. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine ferment and a tasty snack. We've been lucky enough to enjoy a case ourselves and the choice and quality of the beers is fantastic. You'll get different beers every time, so you can go on a real voyage of discovery and find your new favourite breweries and beers. So, to claim your eight free craft beers and just cover the $5.95 postage, head to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt. That's the word beer followed by the numbers 5 and 2.com forward slash dirt. And now, we will head over to this week's Jobs on the Plot. Harvests will still be coming in thick and fast, and there's plenty to enjoy on the plot this week. If the weather's dry, you can lift your main crop potatoes. Leave them on the soil for a day to help set their skins, and then store them somewhere frost-free in something like a potato sack or hessian bag. Speaking of potatoes, we aren't out of the woods yet in terms of potato blight. 
Keep an eye out for the infection and remove and destroy affected foliage to prevent spread. Don't add this to your compost. That's really important. If your pumpkins and squashes look like they might need a helping hand with ripening, you can cut off any of the larger leaves that might be shading the fruits and let them soak in those beautiful August sun rays. Give your tomatoes a daily check over for ripe fruits and keep the plants well watered. This can prevent the skins from splitting. You can also move any containers you use for growing salad leaves into shady spots, which will help avoid them wilting in this heat. As well as harvesting, you can still make some sowings. Radishes, baby carrots, spinach, salads, oriental leaves and turnips can all be started now and will give you a tasty and generous harvest throughout the autumn months. We hope you're all having a wonderful and productive summer in the garden thus far. We'd love to see what you've been up to, so do get in touch on our social media platforms. Enjoy your week, and until next time, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt, and don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to tell all of your lovely garden and allotment neighbours. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote gpod7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just twenty nine ninety nine. That's eleven ninety four off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, do you or someone you know have great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters? you could be our next podcast guest. Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know.